The Gospel Shaped Home Podcast is a family discipleship resource from Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, that aims to equip you and your family to be on mission with God to the ends of the street and the ends of the earth. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Shaped Home Podcast. My name is Jarek Oxenine, and I have the joy of serving as a student pastor here at Providence. And today I'm joined with Ben Holden. How we doing? Yeah, our family discipleship pastor and Scott Reiner, our kids pastor. What's up, Scott? Thanks for saying my last name right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as we've said before, uh, we have one shared goal in partnering with our parents uh, to equip uh, them to disciple and to reach the next generation. And we want to work in cooperation, not in competition. And we want to work together and not in tension. And so what we're doing, we're actually uh, informing and equipping our parents to have conversations with the topics we are discussing with our kids and students uh, this fall. And so we're doing every other week where we're uh, recapping and studying uh, Ecclesia, which is what our kids are studying, which is defining and describing the church, while our students are going through a series called Fear of Man versus Fear of the Lord. Um, but to begin, since we are doing a student uh, week one, uh, Fear of Man, Fear of the Lord, I want us to have this uh, opening question. Y'all are both brave men, um, mm. but have you ever had a phobia or fear of certain things? or things in your lifetime. Yeah. I, uh, especially growing up, I had a fear of heights. Heights. Yeah. We, we would, uh, oftentimes go, uh, hiking out in Umstead park and we'd find a tree over to the Creek and you tie up the rope swing and you swing out over it. And I always conveniently was the last one to go. Just needed to make sure I saw everyone else safely accomplish the task. (laughs) (laughs) Feel that, uh, that, in your stomach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get that feeling. Yeah. Are you uh, still afraid of heights? Yeah. Uh, not nearly as much. Okay. Have you yeah. been skydiving? As Jarek said, I am a brave man. Brave man. Uh, I have not been skydiving okay. and I think I would do that, but I don't know if I would see that as a fear of heights. Um, it's, roller coasters? It's it, you're so, you're so yeah. distant from it. Uh, I've never been a huge roller coaster guy, but that yeah. wasn't because of fear of heights. It wasn't fear of heights. Yeah. Drop tower. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Scott, what about you? I couldn't think of think up anything really well because of because he's brave i'm a brave man <laughs> um but the one thing i thought of i thought of triskaidekaphobia triskaidekaphobia yeah. um, did i say that right yeah you did can you explain what that is it's a friends episode i was a friends <laughs> fan growing up and ross is told triskaidekaphobia and he says fear of triscuits oh. triskaidekaphobia is an irrational fear of the number 13 wow. not a fear of triscuits the oh. crackers Okay. Um, but you asked me what my fears are. I immediately thought of triskaidekaphobia and that scene from Friends. <laughs> Is that? But what's a real one? People really have the fear of the number thirteen, like yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Do and you fear Friday the Thirteenth? I don't fear that. No, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's that's where my mind wandered when you asked yeah. the question. So uh, right, right. I figured I'd give a truthful he and honest no answer. Fear. He has no fear. Yeah. I have no fear of man yeah. when it comes to. Those types of questions. Man, I'm so glad you're on this podcast. <laughs> In other ways, I do have so today, deep fears of man, as we will see. <laughs> uh, I was scared of the dark when I was younger. Uh, my parents would ask me to take out the trash. Uh, and I remember it was at our, it was, it was a detached shop. So there was probably about 50 feet between the shop and our house. And I would run. And, you know, sometimes when you get that creepy feeling, I would throw the trash. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't even make it to the trash can, but I would just throw it and just run back to the house. So did you get in trouble for that? I did get in trouble yeah. on that, but I would get it up the next day. But yeah. fear of dark a little bit, but uh, that that changed when I got to high school. So, but the reason I, I say all this is because uh, when we think about fears, uh, a couple of fears that I want to mention from our 
our culture. We have the death of loved ones dying. We have fears of bugs, snakes, other animals, claustrophobia, darkness. Um, and one big one uh, that is probably unknown to a lot of people, but fear of public speaking. And I think that really ties into even thinking of this idea of fear of man uh, because when you get up in front of people and uh, everyone's looking at you and now you're trying to explain or define something, but yet you have that, you know, people have said psychologists of that vision of imagine you were just in your underwear in front of hundreds of people like and what that would feel like. So there's an actual fear that people have when it comes to public speaking, which is surprising. But when you actually look at the theme that we find in scripture of the fear of man, uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says this, the fear of man lays a snare or trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And so what we're hoping to do with our series is to help our students to see areas that we have replaced God with people. And it's a six-week series um, to show how the fear of man happens on a regular basis. And so week one, we're going to define the fear of man and the main idea um, for that is to help our students to recognize the fear of man is a major thing within scripture, but also our life. And this fear of man is is really sabotaging uh, more of our life than we are aware, causing us to live in this trap and cycle. And so when we think about scripture and what it says about the fear of man, um, I uh, truly want our students to see that uh, to understand it, we must turn to scripture. First Corinthians 10, uh, 11 through 12 says that these uh, things that have happened, especially specifically talking about the Israelites and what has happened to them, these things are written down as example um, for our own instruction on, on whom the end of ages was come, so that therefore let anyone who thinks he stands um, take heed lest he fall. And so uh, whether you think fear of man is present in your life or not, Scripture is giving us warning and instruction to um, to see how this is a theme within Scripture and even within our life and to reveal some of the dangerousness of fear of man. And so, Ben and, and Scott, you know, when you think of this, um, any examples from Scripture, when you think of fear of man or passages, um, what comes to mind? Uh, so first thing I think of is Moses. Um, when you're talking uh, back in Exodus 3 and he's uh, in the wilderness and and there's this bush that's burning and so he goes up and God begins to speak to him um, out of it, which uh, had to be an absolutely surreal moment. Um, I imagine if that happened to me, I would have a lot of questions. Maybe I would have a lot of doubts, um, but he recognizes that this is God that is talking to him and God is telling him uh, to go back to uh, the Israelites who are in bondage or in slavery to the Egyptians and uh, to tell them that uh, God has called him to lead them out of there. Um, and that he's also to go to Pharaoh and, and to, to declare that God is telling him to release the people. And so Moses begins to ask these questions of God. And at first you think he's just maybe asking clarifying questions, but the more questions he asks, you see his fear coming out of him and his doubt and that he is not the guy or what might happen. And so he starts out, um, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so God then answers that he, he is going to be with him. Um, and uh, it says, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And this is where God responds, I am who I am. And then Moses says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. He, he's doubting. He's fearful of what these people are going to say to him and the light that's going to put him in, and how am I supposed to answer that, and what's going to happen? And later, uh, it says, 
He says, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Um, And so uh, that's where the Lord kind of uh, gets on him and and begins to get frustrated with him um, because he says, O my Lord, please send someone else. And Mm -hmm. he's letting that fear overtake him and drive him. I don't have a biblical narrative like that. Uh, sorry. Um, I just, I think of Galatians one ten. you know, yeah. Paul writes for, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? So fear of man or fear of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So I, I just think about that verse a lot because I, the question, am I trying to please man? I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm trying to please man. And if I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Um, so Galatians one ten. Yeah. Good one. It's good. Yeah. I, I think of a couple of examples. Um, I'll pair that with um, Ben. You have Mo, you talked about Moses. I'll talk about Aaron, where Aaron gives into the Israelites to uh, demands him to make a golden calf to worship mm-hmm. while Moses was uh, meeting with God. And so he defends his motives and actions before Moses, but basically giving in to uh, the thoughts of man. He, he uh, knew better, but he, he did it anyway. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And so that's one example. I also wanted to go to King Saul that um, when you think about Kings, uh, first uh, Samuel um, and um, I think 23, uh, but in verse 19, it says for the Kings that they were to write himself a book and copy of the law approved by the Levitical priests and it should be with him, and he shall read it all the days of life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of his law and these statutes and doing them, that his heart might not be lifted above his brothers and that he might not turn aside uh, the commandments of the Lord, either to the right or to the left, so that he may continue long in his kingdom and he and his children in Israel. And so this was commanded um, for the kings to... Uh, follow God's word and to instead and, and to um and to walk in obedience. But you actually see in first Samuel fifteen where Saul is rejected as king because of his disobedience. And if you look specifically um in um one of the verses it says Saul was afraid of the people. And so Saul was misguided in his fear. And so he listened instead of to the voice of the Lord, he's listening to the voice of the people. And because of his disobedience, you actually see this tragic story that he loses um, uh, his kingdom and his dynasty that God was uh, raising him up to lead. And so, but you have that prominent example where fear of man has this cost, has this consequence, because um, what what you're seeing is that you're giving into um, what man uh, thinks of you versus what the Lord thinks of you being accepted and approved by man versus being accepted and approved by the Lord. And so fear of man, uh, we see it over and over in scripture. And I think of one, uh, one more of just looking at Peter who walked with Christ, but yet when the servant girl asked him, uh, aren't you a follower of Christ? He denies Jesus three times. Uh, and so we see Peter in his his guilt and shame of denying Jesus um, after he has this confession that you are the Christ, you know? And so this, this fear of, of what others think about you kind of dictates and uh, drives the way we live. And so how do we see this in scripture, but all we, how do we also see this in our lives? So when you guys think about your lives, uh, which is, you know, let's get a little vulnerable um, to think about uh, areas that you've seen the fear of man creep into your life. Well, I think about my own life 
way too much, uh, sadly. Um, I think I just ask myself questions all the time that are related to this idea of fear of man, like just constantly asking myself, what do others really think of me? Do I dress cool? Am I smart? Am I funny? Was I wise? Did people fear, feel cared for after we met? Did I come across too strong? Was I socially awkward? Um, I'm asking myself those types of questions pretty much after every social encounter, which, you know, is a, a good number of them. Um, I'm constantly comparing myself to others like, well, you know, at least I'm better than they are, or they're definitely better than me. So I definitely feel inferior because I'm not as good or talented or gifted about, you know, whatever. Um, I think about all those things. It, I thought of uh, Matt Papa's got a really great quote. We never really grow up, but our idols do. Mm. And I mm. think about that all the time. Um, you know, I'm 20 plus years past middle school and I still feel like I'm in middle school all the time because I still feel like I live like a middle schooler in social comparison and um, what people think about me. Like that stuff is huge in middle school. And here I am 20 plus years later and all my stuff has grown up, but I still have the same root issues in my heart of what do other people think about me? Yeah. yeah and I can, I can so relate to that, Scott, cause I'm in the, in the same boat. I always feel other people's eyes on me and think that they're looking at me. Uh, they're questioning me. They're judging me. Um, and am I going to be able to live up to whatever standard I believe, um, that they are placing on me? And so, um, not only am I thinking about that beforehand and analyzing, how am I going to act in that situation? Um, what am I going to do and what is going to be thought about me? But then after a situation, um, I oftentimes find myself reanalyzing I'm a very analytical person. So I'm analyzing, what did I say there? How did I do that? Uh, what did I sound like? How was I perceived? Um, and then I pick that apart. And then uh, oftentimes, unfortunately, um, I let that weigh on me. Um, I let that needle on me. And that begins to, uh, you know, lower my confidence um, and, and my, my view of myself. And I begin to worry about um, uh, how that was perceived. And the reality is, is I'm probably the only one that's thinking about that um, at that moment. Yeah, in fear of man, um, you can see that it, it, it can go also by other names. When we're teens, we can call it peer pressure, or when we get older, we call it people-pleasing. Uh, but uh, one of the books that we're actually going through with our students is When um, People Are Big and God is Small by Ed Welch, and he shares three primary ways or specific areas that we tend to fear man. Um, first one is we fear man because they can expose and humiliate us, so this idea of, of exposure um, second way is that we fear man because they can reject and ridicule or despise us. So this idea of rejection and the third way is that we fear man because they can attack, oppress or threaten us. So this idea of, of harm. And I think for me, like, you know, we're on this podcast and fear man can run so deep in my life that I'm wrestling about what people are thinking about what we're saying, uh, yeah. on this podcast and, uh, the comments that me, we might give back a feedback or criticism or compliments um, all this is connected to this idea of fear of man. Um, and I really love how Welch gives us um, in his book a number of questions to help diagnose our fear of man. Uh, and you can find this on um, pages 14 and 16 in his book. But asking these questions, and I want you guys to think about these questions and which one do you feel like identifies with you um, the most. Uh, but uh, it's a long list, and I'm going to read nine questions, um, but I think it's a great list to help you spot the fear of man in your life or in your student's life. And the first one is, have you ever struggled with peer pressure? So making decisions because of others, and I love how um, Welch puts this in the book. Sometimes we are more concerned about looking stupid 
the fear of others, then we are, we are acting, um, then we are about acting sinfully, this idea of fear of the Lord. Second question, are you overcommitted, which typically points to this people pleaser mentality. Third question, do you feel as if you might be exposed as an imposter? So going back to the, the shame uh, and um, protecting your reputation. Number four, are you always second guessing your decisions because of what other people might think of you? Um, five, do you easily get embarrassed? Six, do you ever lie, especially little white lies, making yourself appear a certain way? Seven, do you avoid people? Um, eight, when you uh, compare yourself with other people, do you feel good about yourself or do you get jealous of other people? And then number nine, which I feel like all Christians can um, identify with is, have you ever been timid to share your faith in Christ because others might think you are a rational fool? Um, and so when you guys think of those questions, anyone that sticks out to you, that man, that that's where I can spot areas of fear of man in my life. Am I able to choose all nine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, obviously there's parts of, of all of those that, that resonate with me, unfortunately, but I think it was the fifth one you said, Jarek, do you get easily embarrassed? Um, and I, it, it's because I'm worried about what are other people thinking about me and something that may not even be anything that causes anybody to think anything lower than me. I'm so worried yeah. that they might. It's like you're singing a song in the car on full blast and then all of a sudden the car pulls up beside you. Do you go quiet? <laughs> you stop singing because you're thinking about what they're thinking about mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. All right. That's good. How about you, Scott? Oh yeah. It's hard to pick one of these. Um, yeah, I'd probably say like, are you always second guessing decisions because of what other people might think? Yeah. Um, it goes back to that idea you just mentioned about fear of exposure. Um, like, and the reality is like, or I th- think of, I was talking to somebody about this recently, like Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Their sin exposed them. Like yeah. they were naked, naked and unashamed and then sin comes in the world and all of a sudden they're ashamed. Like our yeah. sin, yeah. I mean, it, it shames us and we get yeah. caught and we, other, other people see us and we want to spend like a lot of times I, the other one I was debating picking, do you avoid people? Like a lot of times I want to run and hide because I fear the being exposed. And the reality is yeah. um, it connected this to our ecclesia, right? Christianity is profoundly relational. Like we are in this together. And if you are in Christian community, the way you're supposed to be, you're going to be exposed mm. for, for your sin. And I've been exposed for my sin multiple times recently and it painful. Yeah. Um, and it's embarrassing and, I keep answering all the other questions now, uh, yeah, but it's good. Uh, so I think about all that. Um, yeah. And I think you, you mentioned you already went back to uh, the garden. So you see it, the fear of man originating at the fall in Genesis three, um, when they realized themselves, they were naked. So they f- sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Um, and so when you think you guys ask this question of, of fear of man, where does it stem from? Um, like ultimately when you think about kids and students and adults, like where is this fear of man stemming from in our lives? I would go back. I'm going to connect this to our Ecclesia conversation from last week again. Do it. Uh, just think about the foundation of the church is the gospel. And I mean, Romans eight, one, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, uh, you know, we are saved by salvation. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. And I think we all mentally, we believe that we agree to that, but functionally in our day-to-day lives, like at some point we don't remember that and we don't believe that I, you know, 
a book. I feel like we've talked about it here at some point. A lot of people at Providence have read uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly, The Heart for Christ, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. If you haven't read it, I read through it twice last year. And I mean, the book rocked me. And he has this one quote that me and my D group uh, read through it. And every time I'll reference back to it, this was, I mean, months ago. And I'll be like, you guys remember that one quote that stands out. And this is what it was. And it relates to everything we're talking about here. There's an entire psychological substructure that due to the fall, everything we just said, Adam and Eve, is a near constant manufacturing of relational leveraging, fear stuffing, nervousness, scorekeeping, neurotic controlling, anxiety festering, silliness. That is not something we say or even think as much as something we exhale. You can smell it on people, though some of us are good at hiding it. Right? That's why we try to go yeah. and hide. We want to yeah. hide it. Yeah. And then he says this, if you trace this fountain of scurrying haste and all its various manifestations, you don't find childhood difficulties. You don't find Myers-Briggs diag- diagnosis or Enneagram or whatever. You find gospel deficit. That phrase, I've, mm. I mean, that phrase, that whole book was worth reading for that one phrase for me. Gospel deficit. You find felt you find lack of felt awareness of Christ's heart. So where does it come from? I think it ultimately comes from, to use his phrase, gospel deficit. We don't understand no condemnation in Christ. We don't understand we are saved. There's yeah. nothing we can do. Yeah. There's nothing we have done. There's nothing we can do that'll separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah. It's gospel deficit. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what, what much more I can add to that because it was really good, Scott. But both of you guys have kind of hit on it. I mean, it, it stems from the fall and it's where um, man took his eyes off of God mm-hmm. and turned his eyes on himself. Mm-hmm. And we know that we are broken, sin-filled people. And we look at other people and we know that they cannot live up to what standard we have. And so therefore we know that um, they can't live up to our standard. Therefore we can't live up to their standard. And that is an awful place of brokenness to be in. That is not the way that God designed it to be. He designed it to be uh, where our eyes would be focused on him. He is the author. He is the perfecter um, of our faith. Um, he is our creator. He is the sustainer. He is the only one who holds the power to be able to live up to anything. He is God and we are not. And we fall uh, vastly short from that. And we know it. Yeah. And we feel it. And we hold guilt because of it. Um, and so then we try to keep playing this game of can I be good enough? Can I be good enough? But I know I can't be good enough. I know I can't be good enough. And we begin to look at everybody else as being the judgment towards us. Yeah. So we begin to fear them and it causes us to then bow to them and yeah. what we're doing just to get a little bit of a taste of a glimpse of a smile um, or uh, some praise um, or feeling like maybe I can do this even though we know we can't. Yeah. So you see fear of man, even, you know, Scott mentioned gospel deficit, but it, it minimizes like our position before Christ because mm-hmm. now we're, we're wrestling with the identity crisis. And I love how Paul Tripp, um, he says in one of his books, he says, since the fall, people look horizontally for what they were designed to find vertically. They ask people, places, and things to do for them what only identity in the Lord can do. And I love this part. And what people fail to understand is that wherever you look for identity will exercise rulership over your heart and in doing so will direct the way you live. And I think that's very key. The identity, uh, what you find identity in will exercise rulership over your heart and then will direct the way you live. And I think that's what fear of man is. And so he continues, these things were never meant to be the source of humanity's identity, um, 
become just that, creating endless layers of difficulty and brokenness. And so Trip is going back to this identity crisis that, man, things that we should have a healthy balance of a vertical and horizontal relationship and that our vertical relationship with God should give guidance for our daily living and protecting our heart and the boundaries, even when we think about fearing man um, and, and, and wanting to find approval and acceptance for man. But this fear of man is present in our life because we are fallen and we see this from the, from the garden. And so how do we wrestle with this as Christians and how do we overcome the fear of man, but we'll never see victory and freedom from the fear of man until we have the proper vertical relationship with the Lord. And I think that's why uh, going forward for our students, we're starting off talking about what is the fear of man and how do we see that in our life, but essential to see that the fear of Lord is the only way we can combat, combat the fear of man in our lives. Um, and so that's what we're going to shoot for the next time when we meet to describe what is the fear of the Lord? How do we grow and live in the fear of the Lord in order to um, fight the fear of man that we all wrestle with in our lives? Yeah, and can I say this, Jared? I'm so glad that we are talking about this this semester with our students. And uh, moms and dads, I want to encourage you to be having intentional conversations with your students about this um, because one thing I know and one thing I can guarantee is they are struggling with this. It's not an if, it's an absolute that they are. Um, and they're trying to navigate this while trying to navigate all kinds of other things in life as they are growing and they are maturing and as they're growing and maturing as disciples and in their faith. Um, they need to um, hear the truth of Scripture and the truth of the gospel spoken to them over and over and over and over again. And I know that because I need that in my life as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining um, our Gospel Shaped Home podcast. Again, we will uh, be going uh, every other week of studying Ecclesia, uh, defining and describing the church, as well as the fear of man versus fear of the Lord. But we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Shaped Home podcast produced by Providence Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and resources from Providence, visit us online at pray.org. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts.